finished our series on the names of God, and, and we ended with God who is healer. And in that talk, my outline was, and my goal was just to outline whether healing isn't for today or not, and uh, that God heals, that that's right, and, and it, it, that was the kind of foundation. Um, so if you'd like to go back, if you didn't hear that, then, then please do. These two uh, talks go together. And this was just kind of knowing that having said that, there was a need to then have a conversation um, and to continue the conversation about how do we uh, believe in healing, say that this is for today, and live with the difficulties of people not being healed, of our pain, our difficulties, of everything to do with that. So how this is going to work, I'm going to try and look at three different questions uh, and bring to each one uh, some Bible truths and then work out how do we then get to live. So in doing so, I've got Bible verses that are going to come up behind me and behind you, um, so you guys can see them too, but they are too small for you to read. I would love it if you got your Bible out. I would love it if you checked this stuff out. So we're going to look at healing, we're going to look at our, our pain, our difficulties, uh, what's going on in various situations. Why do we get sick? It may seem like a stupid question. We get sick. All of us. And I think it's important to start this by saying that uh, it isn't that long ago that I was lying in a hospital bed. Um, so I'm not speaking into this as somebody who's never been ill, and I'm not speaking into this as somebody who's never lost somebody. I lost my dad far too young to cancer. So I, I, when I come at these things, you know, this isn't me just kind of standing here on, on, you know, on some pedestal. I, I have lived through some stuff which was pretty difficult. Also, it's important to say that if you take things that I say out of context, you could take a single line that I say and be offended by it. But I hope that you will listen to the whole of what I say as a one piece and hopefully then choose not to be offended. I'm not using one Bible verse today because as much as sometimes we would like the Bible to be a Haynes manual and just to be able to turn to the answer and say, right, fixed. The Bible is a series of letters, of histories, of truths, of wisdom that God has given for us to interact with, to lead to relationship with him. It's the word of God. It's where we base our faith. But it's not, you can't just turn to a page often and go, right, there's the answer. It's calling us to relationship with God based on the truth of the word. So I can't just go, here's the answer to healing. It's on page 122. It's not how it works. But let me take you through these three verses. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's Proverbs 13, 12. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking about sharing bread and remembering Jesus as the church family. And he says, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. 
But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. 1 John 1, 8-9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I laid out a fortnight ago that sickness does not come from God. God does not make us sick. But that under the old covenant, if we walk out of God's way of doing things, that we would receive the consequences for our actions. Under the new covenant, under Jesus, under his death for us, what happens when we sin? All of us sin. Our identity is no longer that we are sinners, we are saved followers of Jesus, but we all still sin. And that sin has consequences. If you take something as simple as, you may not think of this as as sin, but if you never exercise and eat only cake... you will not be healthy. Yeah? Now, you may come to church and be prayed for, and those things may be healed. But if you carry on living that way, you will still be unhealthy. There is consequence to our sinful actions. And it's very rare that we talk about sin in the nature of things like that. The things that we do have consequences. Now, I am not saying that everyone is sick in any way because of their own actions. But this is a part of why we get sick. We do dumb things. We do things that God has told us not to. That is sin leads us into sickness. In the Ten Commandments, God said, as one of the commandments next to the ones about murder and theft, he said, rest Keep the Sabbath. Have a day off. It's in there as one of the Ten Commandments to rest. And if you don't, you will get ill. Now you can be prayed for, you can receive God's strength, and there is, under the New Covenant, you don't always get your consequences because we get all the good stuff as well. But sometimes we do. We get the consequences of our actions. We get the consequences of our stupid mindsets. And that leads us into unhealth, mental and physical unhealth. But that is not the only cause of sickness. We live in a fallen world, a world where we are bombarded with negative messages which attack our mental health. We're bombarded with germs and sickness and physical things in the world that cause problems. We are in a war with an enemy who hates and wants to destroy us. And he brings sickness. It is not our job to point to anyone else and go, you are sick because... It's really not helpful. When I was lying in a hospital bed, a number of people told me it was stress-related thanks, that really helped. Now I feel stressed. (laughs) God led me through some physical things, some mindset things, some things I needed to change. Some of it was about what I ate and drank. The most important thing was about what I ate and drank. 
that change me and stop me getting these weird migraines that have massive auras that do weird stuff to me. God and doctors together showed me what I was doing wrong, what was going on, and how to fix it. It's not always that simple. Sometimes it's prayer and we rip the stuff off and it's about attacking the work of the enemy. Sometimes it's this fallen world that we live in. But these are the things that happen. These are the reasons that we get sick. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't want healing for you. And when we are sick, we get to stop and pray and ask our friends and say, will you sit and pray with me and work out what's going on here? Will you sit and listen? And not for two minutes, for a long time, over a period of time. Can we pray about what do we think is going on here? What, what is going on? What does God want to say through this? He doesn't want the sickness. And the way that we look after ourselves is confession. The way that we look after ourselves, the way that we can best be healthy is to be those who confess. To be those who come to God and go, I get stuff wrong, God. Can you help me with that? Can you lead me into all truth? The way, the truth, the life. So that I get to live the best way I can. Confession isn't for God's needs. God doesn't, like, he's not up there going, you must confess to me because it makes me feel better. That's not the character and nature of the God we serve. He wants us to confess our sins so that we are free of them. It's the same in forgiveness. If you hurt me and I hold on to that hurt and I I hold it against you, that doesn't damage you, that damages me. If I forgive you, I'm released and free. You get to deal with your own stuff. It's the same with confession. We come and we confess and we say to God, I've got this bad stuff behind me. I'm making these bad choices. I'm thinking these things. Will you help me? And you say, I am so sorry, God, because you want me to live in a far better way. Will you help me do that? And what Holy Spirit does is little thing by little thing goes, let's deal with this now, David. Let's move you on from glory to glory. Let's take you into greater mental, physical health. And it is not our job to judge anyone else's situation. We all have different battles. We all have different starting points. It's not about saying, this person's sick, so they're obviously not confessing enough. That's not what I'm saying. Within the circumstance, saying, where is this coming from? What's my role? How do I get to live? When we don't deal with our stuff, we open ourselves up to the potential to get sick. Sickness will come even if we're living perfectly. And we get to battle that too. But that's what I believe is how and why we get sick. And we need to be those who live in an attitude of confession to help overcome that. (coughs) Second question, a little bit shorter. Why heal? This may seem like a stupid question, but it came to me that actually all of us believe, hopefully, that if we're followers of Jesus, when we die, we're going to go and be with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth. We're going to have life with him eternally with no sickness, no pain, no tears, no problems, no nothing. And if we get sick and die, we get to go there. So why would we want to stop that? It's logical. 
It's not how I felt when my dad was dying. (laughs) But I remember trying to work through that and going, am I being selfish? Because the sicker he got, the more he seemed to just float off. It'd just be like disappearing and fading into God's arms. And yeah, I, I was like, I did have this whole thing of going, you know, my emotions one way and my rational mind the other way, going, what is going on? And Matthew uh, 4, 17 to 24, Jesus begins his ministry and he says, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. And then he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, casting their nets into a lake. They were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets, followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Jesus arrives on earth as the personification of God on the earth walking around, and he does what he's supposed to do. He says... This is why I'm here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he calls people to do it with him. He's about inviting people into God's family. And then he goes about and heals all the sickness. Jesus obviously thinks this is a key part of his calling. Why? Jesus has come to declare the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God coming to earth, heaven coming to earth. He's come to say, I am the kingdom of God to earth. This is a new I'm transforming the earth. I'm undoing the curse. I'm leading into a new covenant. I am bringing a new thing. And it's my job as the personification, Jesus is saying, of God to bring healing. We don't heal because people hurt. We don't heal because we're sympathetic. We heal because we are declaring the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. The coming of the kingdom of God. It's for his name, for his glory. We want to see people come to know him. And once people know him, they've got the new heaven and the new earth. I have cried and wept and hurt over people who are sick, especially the young who are sick. It just gets to me. It's not fair, it's not right. I hate it that young people have their lives cruelly cut short. But if I get into sympathy for that person, I'm not helping them. I was somebody who used to love other people's sympathy. I hated my school as a teenager and I had lots of issues with it, didn't want to be there, all kinds of stuff going on. And I realised that if I was ill, I could get out of going to school, and people would be really nice to me. And at school, people weren't being nice to me at all. So I learned being sick was a really good thing. 
It got me out of the stuff I didn't want to do. And there was no other way out. I was at school from 8.30 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. I was there six days a week. Um, It wasn't a way of getting out, (coughs) except for being sick. And I learned to wallow in my sickness. And as an adult, I then had to learn how not to, to actually fight sickness. Jesus' action towards sickness is he just tells it to go. He's aggressive towards sickness. And if we want to see healing, we have to have aggression towards sickness, not towards the sick. (laughs) We have empathy, we have compassion, but not sympathy, not pity, not patting people on the head. Again, when I was in hospital, I didn't want sympathy. I didn't want to be patted on the head. I wanted people to pray for me and fight with me. to have compassion and understand where I was. We get to declare the rule and reign of Jesus Christ by fighting sickness. It's not about what we deserve. It's not about what's fair. Everything will be made fair and right at the judgment of Jesus Christ. Those who suffer now, it will be made right in the end. If it doesn't happen now, it will happen at the end. I remember praying with a friend over a girl in their congregation, who, a four-year-old girl, who was completely paralysed, the age of four. Heartbreaking. But he said, I am sure that for her, for Bethany, there will be justice at the end, if there is not justice now, because God will make all things right. If we're the people of heaven if we're the people who look to the future, the kingdom of God, then we have that eternal perspective to bring to everything we do. And it's more important that non-Christians follow Jesus and get that heavenly perspective than it is that they're healed. But we bring the healing because it's part of the package that Jesus won on the cross. And we declare his rule and his reign and we bring in the kingdom and we fight sickness. But we never fight the sick. So, last question. What's happening when people are not healed? This is the one time in the Gospels that somebody is not healed when they're prayed for. The only time. Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is Mark 9, 14 to 29. Jesus comes down with a couple of his disciples and they come down the hill from this amazing transfiguration, this experience um, that Jesus has had and they've seen When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. 
If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I love that guy. (laughs) When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. I have prayed for people a lot and I've seen amazing miracles and I've seen a lot of things not happen. Jesus says this kind can only come out by prayer. This can only happen through prayer. Where in this piece does Jesus pray? He doesn't. It's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? He doesn't pray. He just tells the thing to get out. I command you, come out of him, never enter him again. That's not how I pray. What I think Jesus is saying, and some of the manuscripts say prayer and fasting, Jesus is saying our relationship with God, our trust in him, our belief in him over everything else, has an effect in what works through us. There's no resistance in Jesus to the work of the Father. There's no sin in him. There's no mess in him. There's no wrong thoughts in him. He is the will of God personified. So when he prays, the full power of God just flows through him 100%. And wham, everyone's healed. Jesus spends time with his Father all the way through the Gospels. You can read it in all the little bits around the stories. Jesus was off up a hill. Jesus was off over here. He got up really early. He was over there. He was... He was disappeared, he took them off. Praying, spending time with God, that's the main thing that he did. But it's actually in all the kind of cracks and crannies around the stories. He has relationship of trust. He absolutely trusts his dad and it flows powerfully through him. I'm not like that. Yet. As we have relationship with God, as we pray, as we fast, as we have relationship with him, we become more like him and the power of God is more able to work through us as we work and battle with our own mindsets, with our own thinking, with our own practice, with our own belief, as we interact with the word of the Bible and the spirit of God who is here for us. We are transformed. And the more we pray, most of the people I know who, who see people healed all the time are people who have prayed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. John Wimber, one of the most famous uh, healing evangelists who brought healing back to the church in the UK in many ways, famously prayed for hundreds of people before anyone was healed. What if he'd given up? God have probably found somebody else and used them. But we wouldn't be talking about him this morning. We keep going. We trust in God. Faith, hope, belief that this is what God wants and we keep 
going. So these three things that I think we need to look at. Protect yourself with confession. If your hope is deferred, if you've been praying for a long time and it's not happened, stop being busy. Chill out. Spend some time with God. Get close to him. Work out your stuff with him. All your fears and doubts, they can all come too. They won't stay long when you really know and believe and you're spending time with him that he is the way, the truth and the life. We need to be prayed up, confessed up, people in relationship with God. When we fight sickness, we need to be people of repentance. Why heal? We need to change our hearts, our minds. We need to turn around. Repentance doesn't mean saying sorry for being naughty. Repentance means changing your mind, changing your heart, turning around, rethinking, reacting. We fight sickness, we take it on, we heal because it's what God's calling us to do to bring his rule and reign to the earth. And we need to change ourselves so that we believe that more through repentance. And to cope with our failures, to cope with when people aren't healed, we need to trust him. We need to keep going and build our trust. Trust him that even when it doesn't look right, he's still the winner, it's still going to be worked out in the end. I've seen the end of the book, we win. It's after D-Day. We've won, the the cross is D-Day. The cross is, we've turned around the enemy, Second World War, D-Day happened, it was all turned around, but it took a very long time till victory in Europe Day. And a lot of people died in that fight, taking back, freeing, liberating Europe. We're still in that bit of bringing the rule and reign of God to the earth. We're still looking for the final victory, and we need to trust and build our trust in that. So these three things, protect yourself, let's be a confessing people, we're going to fight sickness by rethinking, repenting, and we're going to cope with our failure by trusting that God is greater. And all of those things are about relationship. One last thing. I've gone way too long today, but I just get really passionate about this. Sorry. Um, I, um, I have a really good friend. Um, he's becoming a closer friend. He's a church leader, and, and, and I just value his friendship and uh, spending time with him so highly. And he's been through an awful time um, of sickness. And um, he's been a warrior on the front lines for Jesus for a long time. He's been God's soldier. And uh, he's been really ill. Not life-threatening in terms of death, but threatening to his well-being and life that is worth living. And I met with him and... uh, it was just one of the most amazing hours of my life just to be with him and hear what God's been doing in and through him. God has taken him on a journey of saying, you're my soldier, but I called you to be my son. And he's getting free of his sickness in, in this just experience of God saying to him, your new commission is to allow me to lavish my love on you. His call, his commission, all that God's asking him to do now is not to battles and change the world and do all the big things that he wants to do, but just to be somebody who allows God to lavish love on him. In all this healing stuff, 
It's about relationship with God through our difficulty, through our pain. Let him lavish his love on you. Don't judge anyone else. Let him lavish his love on you, however you find yourself. Let him bring strength, deliverance, healing, whatever that looks like. You are blessed to be a blessing. I feel this is the call of John's. We're blessed to be a blessing. Let him lavish his love on you, however you find yourself. And that looks like praying for the sick. That looks like changing your mind. That looks like confessing, repenting, and trusting. It's all about relationship. It's all about, in any circumstances, turning to him. If there's anything I'm proud of doing in my whole life, there's the one thing that I... I don't know whether I'm supposed to be proud of it, but, but I am. At my dad's funeral, with five to 600 people in attendance... I offered to pray for anyone there who had cancer. We stood over his casket and uh, we'd lost that battle. He died too young. And there are lots of things around that battle that it's not really my place to go into, but I am proud of offering healing and saying that that could happen in that place. Cancer has wrecked my dad's side of the family. Um, but I used to be angry with cancer I'm not cancer's not a thing I'm not even going to give it the time of day but I am going to pray every time and expect healing and try and change my mind and repent and confess and trust because I want to see God's kingdom come on earth I know where my dad is he's having a way better time than I am and I will get to spend eternity with him And it won't be the frail man that I say goodbye to. It will be the young man who won the Victor Ludorum at school. And he'll be even better than the guy I say goodbye to. Because he'll be made perfect in the new heaven and the new earth. But I will pray and work for everyone to receive healing and to see the kingdom of God come right now. That's how we get to live. Let me pray for us. God, you give us so many chances. You never give up on us. God, whatever the fear or doubt we're facing around healing or any other subject, God, would you build in us a trust in you where we allow you to speak the truth however hard it is to hear. (laughs) Where we lay our lives in front of you and say, come and work through me for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Lord, this morning, would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit? Would you lead us to be those people who can pray for healing and see your kingdom come in power as people are healed? To be those people who remain faithful even when things don't go our way. That when we lose a battle, we still see the eternal future. 
Help us to be those, God, who, who can say anything to you and hear anything from you. Lord, would you lavish your love upon us and teach us how to be receptacles of your love, that we may be blessed to be a blessing in all things.